All right, let's try this again, one more time. Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, the Ford Key podcast for the Sudbury community, season three. This is like the fourth time I've tried this because my phone seems to be giving me some issues every time I hit, I stop recording. So we'll see how this one goes because the last ones have been good. And now I have just a shorter, shorter time to actually get everything done on, on this. So it's going to be a bit more brief of an episode because I got a lot to cover because more stuff gets released every day that I fail to get this out. So here's the new changes for 9th edition. I'm going to follow that up with an invitation that I'd like you guys to uh, actually, you know, I'll start off with that one uh, just in case you don't have time to listen to the whole thing. On Friday, so tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a... Uh, an inter not an interview, a debate of sorts with Austin, Austin McMurdy, the uh, one of the uh, Sudbury personalities, I would say, one of our gaming personalities, somebody that's been really great for the hobby in uh, in town and out of town, bit of an ambassador for us, I would say. Uh, we are going to have a debate about super heavy vehicles or just super heavies uh, and their place in the game. And so if you have any questions, anything about Super Heavies that you want us to tackle, let me know. I'll add it to our list, and we'll have a nice, long, fun discussion (laughs) about them. Uh, So just leave a message uh, in wherever you see this posted. So, the new things that are going down. Let's go over them pretty quickly. Number one, you now, in 9th edition, if you get charged... Um, after your opponent's done all of their charging units, all their attacks, you get to pick the first unit, as opposed to your opponent picking the first unit on the back and forth of unit selection. I think this is a really great choice for Games Workshop that they made. I think the old one kind of was just, well, it's your turn, the person whose turn it is should probably go first. I think that was kind of just their their idea, and it was just so different for them that they didn't really fully think it through. Um, because it just ends up meaning that you really just tend to go with all of your units before your opponent goes with any of their units when that's the case. Because it's so rare that you actually just stay in combat. Usually when you, uh, after receiving the charge and fighting back on when it comes to your turn again, you just leave combat because it's so effective to do so. Uh, you know, you, you risk nothing and you get a lot out of it. So you tend to leave combat. Um... And then you countercharge them with other things, and you're having the charging units, and you go first. But in those times where you do end up sticking around, um, it was nice when it was on your turn that you would get to fight first. But at the same time, uh, it was very unfortunate for your opponent when you charge with their, a bunch of things, and then they have some cool abilities that are like, hey, your opponent doesn't count as charging. And it wouldn't ever really matter because your opponent would just get to select that unit before you anyway, so it didn't matter that you had that kind of ability. That ability that they built into the game had no real effect. But now with this change, I think there's a bit more of an I-go-you-go kind of feel uh, where you go with all of your charge units, but then your opponent just gets to go ahead and pick one of their units before you get to pick uh, one of your units that stuck around in combat. I think that's just a very fun thing. I think that's going to work out really well, and it's also going to make those abilities like the one that they showed off for the Death Shroud Terminators for Death Guard, where they actually have a, what seems now to be a powerful ability. You charge them 
and you never count as charging, so they'll always get to go first. That's really, really good. Um, I like how that just plays out, and also offers a difference between a very definitive difference that you can see between something that's like, um, your opponent doesn't count as charging, or you negate your opponent's charge, right? Where it's like, well, if you use this ability and they have an ability that already lets them charge uh, strike first, uh, then you just counter it out. Well, then effectively, in a way, this one kind of supplants it, right? In that you get to uh, strike before them. And ones that say, no, you they just strike last, irregardless of other... Regardless of other abilities. So that's cool. Number two... We've got dense cover. I think this is a huge one for the game, especially when you consider it in context with the other terrain rules that are coming out. This is the one that makes me feel like, okay, there may be a spot for infantry units in the game. We will see. With dense cover, um, you have minus one to your hit rolls when shooting across that cover. Won't matter. Sorry. You won't count it. Oh my god, sneeze brewing. Uh, it won't if you are in the terrain that's giving that dense cover, you won't count it. Um, so you won't get the minus one. Or same thing, if, if it's an obstacle that's causing that dense cover and you're within three inches of that obstacle, it won't count it. Um, I think that's just a, a great way to go about it. If you can totally see a model from the opponent's unit that's not in the dense cover, that's not being covered by the dense cover, then... Again, you don't count it. So, you know, that's kind of the same thing where right now it's like, well, you have to be entirely within the cover to benefit from it. Um, that's going to be the case here, except that it does still count for just shooting through it. So if there's a forest in the middle of the table and you have one unit on one side of the table, they have the other unit on the other side of the table. But again, they're totally covered by this dense cover. When you look through it, they'll get the benefit. That's good. I think that's just a good way to look at the game. There's few issues with the rule, but I don't think people are going to care about it. Technically speaking, you cannot ever see an entire model's base, uh, even if you had clear vision to them 100%, just because the base itself obstructs the view of the reverse of the base. So, um, obviously, Games Workshop does not mean for that to be the case. They're just saying that if the dense cover obstructs any part of the base, you can't see it. I think that's what they're trying to get across. So, anyway. Uh, next up, we've got strategic... Okay, so I just actually, you know, I, I still want to... Let's see if I have the time. So, with this minus one to being hit, that means universally shooting just got worse for enemies. Uh, I didn't really say this for the one where they were talking about uh, all terrain being, being line of sight blocking, not all terrain, but having more terrain that's just purely line of sight blocking, even if you can kind of see through it. I guess you could kind of call that the ultra dense terrain, whatever, I don't know, uh, for if it's like five inches or taller. Because um, that just kind of introduced something that already mostly existed in the game uh, in t with ITC Ruins and the way people played with that, and a lot of people played with ITC Ruins, and they played, also there were those L-shaped structures that people built out of foam board and stuff like that, just to try to help encourage there to be more line-of-sight blocking to make the game more interesting, uh, I think. Uh, so people were just kind of used to that, and it didn't feel like uh, it really, like it, it would absolutely hurt shooting units 
and so you had to play with that in mind. It didn't make shooting worse per se, but you had to just play with it in mind. And there were definitely times where shooting was worse if you were able to catch an opponent off guard from one of those angles. Um, then their shooting wouldn't matter. Well, this is the same kind of thing, except that if you also just play on a regular table without ITC ruins or anything like that, between the tall cover that makes it totally line of sight blocking and this cover, which is minus one to shoot through, uh, most of the game seems like you are going to have some issue when you shoot at your opponents. If you are, are at, try at all to have a table with really any terrain on it, you're going to have parts of, okay, well, my shooting unit is going to have a harder time utilizing its full effectiveness against your unit. So, yeah, universally across the board, shooting got weaker in that way. I think that also explains why they did blasts the way they did, because then... Um, with shooting being universally worse across the board, uh, you need to get more hits in in order to impact a unit with a lot of models. So I think that all kind of balances in. Uh, that's the buff right there. That minus one to being hit, and like just the, the greater rules for terrain is a buff for all units, uh, but it does benefit especially the minus one to being hit, benefits hordes more than others. So there we go. I'm very happy now. Um, so next up, we have got the new rules for uh, strategic reserves, which I think are really cool. You total up all the power of the units that you wish to put into reserves. And then I think it's like for every 10 points kind of thing, something like that. Um, that's how many command points it costs to put them into reserve. So I think that a unit like a knight, putting that unit into reserves, I think costs like three command points. It might just cost two, but I think it costs three. Um, and turn two, it can come in from your board edge. Turn three, the only board edge it can't come in from is your opponent's board edge. This is just really fantastic. And if it's from your board edge, by the way, you also ignore the whole stay outside of nine inches of your opponent thing. So you can actually come in right on top of your of your uh, um, of an opponent that kind of dives too deep into your lines. Uh, it is going to make it that backfield units are going to probably want to hug that train at the back, put a close combat unit into reserve, which I think is good. Maybe not even close combat unit, but I mean a close fire unit. Actually, close fire is better than close combat for these kinds of reserves because when you come out, you're guaranteed to be able to shoot and utilize your weapons as opposed to um, a unit like... Um, as opposed to a unit that comes out and tries to charge and fails the charge and then does nothing. So uh, shooting, I think, is actually going to be benefited from that. Uh, but I think it's also just a... I don't care about that because it's just a cool rule. It's just a cool way of going about it. So if you try to jump on them right away, they can come out and just hammer you right away. This is where you might do close combat units just because you do get to come out right... You're already in close combat if they come in that deep because you put your units that deep in, right? So that'll be really cool. Um, or... Uh, if they don't do that, then on turn three, four, or five, or whatever, you can come out from the sides. Also important, it doesn't look like there's going to be any more you die if you're not out on the table by the end of turn three. 
that seems to be gone, uh, which I think is great because Games Workshops, their missions are now moving totally towards being uh, progressive-based scoring, which means if you're not on the table, you are not scoring. So they're saying, well, yeah, you can keep your stuff off almost all game, just keep bringing it on before the end, otherwise it counts as destroyed, but then you're not on the table actually doing stuff. And I think that just plays better with a bunch of their other rules. It'll work wonderful. So, great rule. I think this is a great change. Lastly, and I'm just about at, at where I need to go. Um, lastly, we have new morale rules. Now, this one I would say is the one I'm kind of least happy about because it feels much more like a sideways step on the rules rather than um, a, a major change. Uh, I say sideways step because while it's better in some ways, those ways are, I would say, are pretty few and far between. I would say, in, in, in general, you are actually... Um, and they were saying morale is going to matter more. I honestly think it's going to matter even less now. Um, if you So now, if you fail your morale test, rather than losing number of models equal to the difference that you failed by, you lose one model, and then the rest you make a roll on. And on a roll of one, they run. On a roll of one, they run. Uh, and you get minus one of that roll if you're under 50% strength. But that does mean if you shoot at a unit of eight guardsmen, sorry, of ten guardsmen, you kill all but two of them, whereas previously they would be gone. Uh, now, there is, first of all, a chance they stick around, because a roll of one on the leadership test means they stick around. But also, on a uh, if they fail... Um, then the one guy that remains, because the one guy flees automatically of the two that remain, remember, that guy's got a 66% chance of sticking around. So you still got to just kind of kill the whole unit or kill it all minus one to really guarantee its death. You can't hope that leadership's going to kill them. The only way that I think this is going to cause more people to fail morale tests is actually it will cause people to fail more morale tests is that previously you simply knew you were going to fail and you knew you were going to lose the unit, and you knew you couldn't do that, so you would just auto-pass with the command points. Well, command points are going to be a little bit hard. Like, they say, oh, everyone's got more command points. Eh, only at the start, and not really. Only certain armies will have more command points. A bunch of armies get less command points from what you're used to, because if you were playing, like, Nids or Genesteel Cult or some of these armies that had multiple battalions, you'd start the game with, like, 18 command points, and now you're going to start with 12. You'll get up to 18 by the end of the game. But, you know, so, not really. Um, so in those cases, yeah, you would do insane bravery and just automatically pass. Now you can't. Uh, or, now you can, but now you'll be like, oh, well, they're probably going to survive anyways. So you'll not do it. You'll fail the test. And that'll be important for some of those other things, maybe. Um, but then you won't lose the whole unit. Or you'll roll, and then you'll suddenly roll very badly and now a unit that you thought was going to be fine is gone. So, it's a bit riskier, um, just because you... It, because it's safer, people are going to take riskier behavior that's going to result in more failed tests. That's just how that's going to work out. Um, also, it won't really matter if people don't take units of a large enough size for it to matter. So, which, again, the game looks like it's moving towards smaller units, five-man units, but at the same time, five-man unit is more vulnerable to, like, you take away three of the guys from the unit, and now you can ignore them for shooting at characters, right? So there is a nice balance in there. I like how that's all kind of working together. 
So we'll see how that happens. Um, there we go. So that's everything. Just a reminder again, tomorrow I am doing that interview with Austin. So definitely tune on in once I get that posted up. Thank you for listening. This is Sudbury Scrub. Keep on wargaming. Let's see if this saves. Woo!